Good morning to you. If you're listening to the radio on this beautiful Sunday morning, I'm assuming it's beautiful. I don't know when we do the show in advance and it airs on Sunday morning. It's, well, you know what? It's a day that God had made, has made, and so all the days are beautiful. Uh, this is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. If you're listening to this on some other day, it means you're listening to the podcast, and that's a beautiful day, too, I'm sure. Thank you for spending part of your day with us here as we grapple with what are really serious uh, questions. This is not just esoteric, academic, you know, kind of head stuff. This is important rubber-meets-the-road kind of stuff. Last two shows, we were talking about theonomy, theocracy, sacralism, sacralism. What does that all mean? It has to do with how we apply God's word into our, our government, into our lives, where the, where, where are the lines drawn, and there's a lot of disagreement, and it makes people nervous. Uh, and you have probably are more familiar, if you've been paying attention, to a different kind of a phrase that connects all of these things in different ways, and that is the phrase Christian nationalism. It's all related to this stuff. That's why we're talking about it. And here to talk about it again for the third go-around is Daniel Razvi with the church in Thermont that's called the house, uh, the, uh, the the church that meets at Imran's house. It could be the house that meets at Imran's church. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> Elijah Dirksen, he is a seminary uh, Master's of Divinity student at at, uh, Whitfield Theological Seminary, and uh, he that's out of state, so he's here visiting uh, Maryland and joining us for this conversation. I'm Troy Skinner. I'm the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ, and our website is householdoffaithinchrist.com, and you can connect with all my social media, and you can connect with these guys if you uh, should want to by just getting in touch with me, and I'll put you in touch with them. That's householdoffaithinchrist.com. So we defined our terms of theonomy, theocracy, uh, sacralism well enough for now, I think. There's more that can be said for sure. But I want to, um, people listen to a radio station like WFMD uh, probably have heard Christian nationalism talked about. It's a, it's, a, it's a politically charged word, so it gets talked about in non-church contexts. And so uh, what do they mean by that? So let's, uh, <laughs> boy, it's an open-ended question. I don't know what I'm going to get. And I, figured, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know if you know how you're going to try to answer this. If somebody oh, says boy. Christian nationalism to you, what do you think they're meaning by it? You're a Christian fascist. Christian fascist. <laughs> Most people use it in a negative sense, as an, as an accusation or a derogatory term, Christian nationalism. I think most most or many of the people that are called Christian nationalists would not call themselves such. It's a name given by people outside the movement to that movement. Um, that's not necessarily to say whether the movement itself is good or not. But yeah, there are some though that would. I think. Kind of like I said a couple of shows ago with theonomy. If somebody calls me a theonomist, I might say, okay, yeah, but define it for me because I might end up saying no. Same thing. Says, yeah. Are you a Christian nationalist? Sure. Although, I, define it for me because I might agree, might not. I think the definition is far more important with Christian nationalism because it's, it's such a hot-button term, and it could mean so many different things. You, you have the Latin for theonomy to say God's law, but Christian nationalism, it, they, there are things that people mean um, that... Many many people have different views of what that is, and it 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 shows. You could be talking about with someone just a completely different thing. You're talking right past each other. Now there are Christians who are embracing the term. You know, not all of them are thinking it as a pejorative and they're running away from it. And Stephen Wolf wrote a book that's very popular, and I'm I, I'm I'm pretty sure he's a Christian. There are a lot of you know YouTubers and and, and bloggers and stuff that are Christians, and they're and they're identifying as Christian nationalists. So not everybody's running from it, but it's creating quite a fight. And a lot of uh, name calling and and uh, you know just it, it's getting kind of nasty. It's really un, it, it's disconcerting that it's gotten as nasty as it has when Christian brothers 
are, are being mean to each other. It's like, like what's that? <laughs> we can hash it out. That's fine. We do that on this show on a weekly basis. But we and, and you can get contentious. You can you can have your adrenaline kick in. You can get animated. You can even get you know uh, to the point where you say something that's uh, not really the way you intended it because you're caught up in the moment. But you decompress and you deal with it. And that's not what you're seeing a lot on uh, on on social media and perhaps even inside of churches. So um, <laughs> let's let's break it down because I think you're right with uh, with theonomy. We've got theo God nama. Nominee, which is uh, the root word is as nomos, law. So you're talking about God's law. Okay, we can break that down. Let's break this down. Christian nationalism. Let's take Christian. What do we mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the general, generally accepted term. Okay, and nationalism. What do we mean by that? Somebody that is uh, believes that nations and borders between nations should be very strong. That you, my nation is different than your nation, and I'm not a citizen of the world. I'm a citizen of a particular country. So you're using it in distinction from globalism, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It's more of a localized thing, and I think I agree on, with that as far as that goes. It goes on, even further. The, I think on the surface, the the term itself can be acceptable. I, I think there's a lot of ways in which it can go off into crazy territory, but I think nations can be Christian. I think how, how would you how would you describe what that looks like? What is a Christian nation? Well, you have let let's take Psalm seventy two for example. You have all these the nations are coming to Christ. It's not just people; it's entire nations. Um, the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, not of people from those nations. The nations themselves are being discipled in the Great Commission. That's the end goal. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd want to. I'd want to make sure, uh, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right. That that the word that our English Bibles translate as nations there could also be translated as, um, a, a, it's, it's like an ethnic group. I think right. It's, it's peoples. Correct. You know, like in, in, but in, nations in, are made up. Like of, in Greek, it would be Gentiles. Nations are often made up of ethnic groups, and that's that's where a lot of people, especially from the left, will will make the accusation that Christian nationalism equals white supremacy, because they say the the accusation is made that if you're a Christian nationalist, you want to be America, and America is and has been predominantly white, and therefore you value the white race because that's ethnic group and nations were originally ethnic groups. Yes, and I would, I would re reject that on its face for multiple reasons, actually, because there's only one human race, so I, I reject the premise of their accusation. And yes. two, they're, they're presuming the worst case possible motive that somebody has. They're not being generous at all to hear what somebody right. means by it. Um, I think some people will describe the nationalism part as you know, talking about having a, a pride in or at least a care for uh, uh, the people who are your neighbors in your closest proximity, the people that share borders that are defined and say, we, mm -hmm. we have these borders in common and we have certain cultural things in common and we have certain, maybe a you know, language in common or uh, um, a, a lot of our ideals would be the same. You know, we have, we're at, we have similar purposes on the world stage, that kind of thing. And so they would say that that's what national uh, ism is other people hear nationalism they think you know the Nazi party yeah but but the, there is a danger and I, you see this sometimes where when you become intensely patriotic to the point where it is valued above your religion and then you have things where churches you know may hold a church service 
that is all about the 4th of July, Independence Day, and has very little to do with scripture, right? And this is in a church service. It's not, it's not like they invite the church members to a cookout on the 4th of July and they have a nice, you know, fun and, gathering. And that's where I think Christian nationalism gets dangerous is when you combine that, the church and the state together. They're separate spheres of authority. They shouldn't mingle with each other. And a lot of times people citing Christian nationalism will say, no, they need to join together. And that, that's wrong. And that's why the debate you know, we're having the last couple of weeks becomes important because they're assuming or presuming anyway some sort of a theocracy uh, or some sort of a sacralistic system in place, which is what I've been pushing really hard against for anybody that wants to pay attention to what I have to say, because those are dangerous things. And theonomy, again, the way it sometimes gets defined, sometimes somebody calls themselves a theonomist and you talk to them, you find out, okay, you're actually a theocrat. You're actually a sacralist. You're advocating for, for, for sacralism. Uh, you're calling it theonomy. So that's why we were taking the time. We did the first two shows to define what the theological terms and arguments are. So now we can t put it in, in a practical sense in terms that is part of the political you know, discourse in the, in, in the populace. So Christianity, Christendom... Uh, sometimes get used almost interchangeably, and I think that that's unhelpful. What do you guys think? Do you, do you, do you see what I mean? What I'm saying, and and if you if you do, do you? So expound a little more. So Christianity has to do with Christians who are in the church and they're and, and they subscribe to a certain set of uh, beliefs, and you defined uh, Elijah did the uh, you know what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. So Christianity is about uh, the rules and regs for those that are followers of Jesus, right? It's a it's a religious right. kind of a mm -hmm. thing. Uh, Christendom is, in my opinion, begins to start to blur the line in almost something that feels a little sacralistic, um, because you'll hear things um, like Christian nation. <laughs> And you said that there is such a thing as a Christian nation. And I'm like, okay, how are we defining that? Because defined one way, it's secularism. Defined another way, maybe it's not. So that's why I'm trying to clarify that, I, I would say at least for the listener. A Christian nation is a nation where at least the majority of the people in the positions of authority are Christians. So we're not a Christian it's nation not, now. No. We, we some, may, might argue, we, some might we, argue that we never have been. Yeah. There, there's no I, I, Christian nation would, on the would, planet right now. I, I right? would disagree Based with on that, that definition. Idea. Because actually, the, the, I think there are actually a couple of small Afri African nations that the majority of the leadership is is very strongly uh, professing Christian. Okay. I, I would argue that we were founded as a Christian nation trying to apply biblical laws. Because going through law school, you, you read like the common law definition of burglary. It's almost word for word lifted from the Bible. Sure. Uh, all, all these, the laws, they... They were almost word for word taken from the Bible as an attempt to apply what God wanted for yeah, and, the and I and I agree with that, but I would phrase it differently. I'm, I'm wondering if you would, you know, push back on it, or you're like, okay, we're just going to use different words to kind of try to say the same thing. Uh, I would say that we were founded as an independent nation uh, based upon biblical principles that are rooted in English common law, which is basically rooted in biblical principles. I, I can agree with that. And, I, so, and that's kind of what I think a Christian nation is. It's a nation that's based upon the principles that God gave for setting up a government. Yeah, I would... The terms become so important because they become lightning rods. Uh, I think... I, I feel good about saying that America was, was founded with the intent of being a people group that would be governed by godly biblical law and order. 
uh, godly biblical rules for governing. Mm-hmm. That's different than a Christian nation because that starts to carry with it the connotation of like if you think of let's let's change the terms just a little bit and you look in the middle east and somebody talks about a muslim nation what do they mean in that context they typically mean sharia law is enforced not always sometimes it means sharia law and sometimes it just means the majority of people in that country are, could, but are could that faith or could, could could a christian nation that that moniker could christian nation sometimes mean the same thing the christian version of sharia law See what I'm saying? And that makes people nervous because that's not what I mean by it, as I've made clear the last couple of shows. But that's that's where I think uh, the language becomes important. I, I see where you're going, but I think at least let's let's go back to the, our example of our founding. Even though there were some of the founders like Jefferson, Franklin, who wouldn't necessarily be reformed Christians or uh, even Christians at all. Some of them were deists. What I, I would draw the line between that and an actual Christian. But they knew that there was value in what the Bible had to do, had to say about setting up a government. And that's why they set it up the way they did, because they knew there was no other way to do it and have a successful government. And so that's what I would say a Christian government is, is a government that's based upon the so what biblical if, principles. But again, uh, we can take that, because there's some debate, right, about the Founding Fathers, depends on which historian you want to listen to. Right. I'm going to take the most aggravating historians and assume they got it right for the sake of argument, because I think they got it wrong. But there are historians that would make the argument that almost none of the founders were Christians. Right? They, there are people out there that will make that claim. Right. I think they're way off base. I think they're not <laughs> correct. Um, but let's just say for the sake of argument that they are correct. Does that change your definition? Because they're in, by, by their understanding, a bunch of non-Christians. So they're not Christians in the majority. No, there are no Christians. They're in their ruling view. as if they were Christians. Right. And I think the, that, the Code of Hammurabi is very similar to the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, you know, the laws are written on people's hearts, and 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 the point is, when you're setting up a government, that you want to make a code, make a a, a law that is morally based, that is based on what God wants us to to do. Yeah, but see, the, but the founders recognized that's the way to set up the government, so that it. It thrives. But I think that's an important distinct and, 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 and a narrowing that helps us be a more, little more precise because that, to me, that, that becomes definitional. Because at first we were talking about if a majority of the people in charge are Christians, that's a Christian nation. But now we're saying, no, they could, none of them be, could be Christians. But as long as they're making the rules based upon the Bible, then we're going to call that a Christian nation. Well, that's and very to, different. To me, to me and, and how I would define a, a Christian nation, I, I would say a nation can only truly be a Christian nation if the government is following the rules that the government is supposed to follow in the Bible, which would include things we talked about last week, such as punishing, I, idolatry, theft, rape, m- murder, some of the... Yeah, and I think that's extra-biblical and non-Christian, actually. So we would have a, de- a political debate, and we're defining our terms differently. I, I, I think that's, that's a, a horrible conflation. It's a mixing of cate- a gross category error, actually. I think it's an unchristian position. <laughs> I know it's a bold way to say it, oh, yeah. but so Christians can disagree about these things because I'm not questioning your faith. I don't think you're questioning you, mine. You have the right to be wrong. And we can, yeah, and so do you, <laughs> right? And so, and that's the point, right? We have the right to be wrong, but if, if the government decides, if you decide, if, if you represent the government, mm-hmm. I'm no longer free to be wrong. 
Or if I decide you're no longer free to be wrong, and that violates Christian conscience, but it, I, it violates everything that the Christians should be fighting for and standing I, for. I don't think that's what we're arguing for. Because, like I said, if, you, if you're a Buddhist, that's not a crime. A state of being, a state of religion, that's just, that just remains in your head, is not a crime. It has to be an action. It has to be bowing down as an outward manifestation of that. And I, get, I suppose you could argue that the you can't actually be a Muslim unless you're doing... I think we're minimizing or, the law. I think that I start, we start to undercut the gospel and the power of Christ. Yeah, but the, the thing is... Because we used it before. You, you could argue, and forget idolatry for a minute, you can argue that if... Um, if if I if I'm in charge of the law, then you're no longer free to murder people. Well, yeah, but you weren't going to murder people anyway. So there there's very again very very few. I know there's one that's a very big sticker for you. You have have a big problem with the idolatry being included in that, but. Probably most most of the uh, ones that I that I would I think say, you have a big problem too. You just won't admit it. You have a problem with adultery being concluded. No, I don't. Yes, you do. As Christ defines adultery, you have a problem with the capital punishment for adultery. No, I, I have no problem with capital punishment. So if adultery. I lust after your wife, I should be killed by the government? No, because the government is supposed to kill the person who has been convicted of adultery with two eyewitnesses. You can't eyewitness lust. I can't witness you lusting. What if I said to you guys right now, man, Daniel, your wife is hot. That's one witness. Not two witnesses. Elijah's and in the room. Against yourself. Elijah's in the room. I got two witnesses. She is smoking. No. I can't wait to get into bed with her, man. I'm dreaming about her, fantasizing about her. <laughs> I got two witnesses plus a radio no. audience. No, because the of thousands, I'm sure, tens of millions, billions. But the <laughs> the the government is supposed to punish actions, not thoughts, and it's very clear throughout the Bible. And that's, that's what, not how Christ defines adultery. Sure it is. Look at the when, if I've, look at the if woman I've taken, lusted after somebody in my heart, I am guilty of adultery. Look at, look at the woman. You're 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 diminishing the, the, the you're, how you're sin is defined. You're guilty that's before not, God, not before the actually, civil court. That's actually not what Jesus says. He says, if you lust after a woman, you have committed adultery with her already in your heart. Not you have actually committed adultery, like literally, meaning your heart wants to commit adultery. Therefore, your heart is guilty, and you will die and go to hell, even if you never commit any of the acts. But the government can only punish acts. That's why the government C is, acts is, against is, who. Against each other, against God, physical acts, not... Uh, and If and I lust after somebody and commit adultery in my heart, I have committed an act against God, a sinful act against God. Yes, and so God I will be the one that's punishing you, because it is very clear in the Bible that only the, the government is only punishing physical acts. So if I have a Buddha statue in my house, how I'm sinning against God, God will deal with that. So right, who, who, who else am I harming? Hell. Who else am I harming, though? Why would the government get involved in that? In well, today's you're, context... You're, te you're teaching others to, f to, to go against God, and, and you're bringing a demon into your house, so you're ex 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 uh, accepting a, of demonic entities that are there. So now we're getting but, into what we teach can be a, a capital punishment. It, See what I'm saying? It, it doesn't work. It does not work. Again, you're going back to the idolatry thing because that's an easy topic to... Okay, to what about the Sabbath? What about the Sabbath? The, should should no the government command, enforce the Sabbath? There, there's no command in Bible to, to kill or to uh, uh, punish everybody who breaks the Sabbath. 
There is one case law specifically saying this person who was found doing X, Y, and Z it should be uh, stoned in that particular example. And there, there's not a whole lot of extra context given, but there is no command for the government to always kill anybody that breaks the Sabbath. No, there are very, very few things. It says theft needs to be punished by uh, you know, restitution and rape Your, needs to be punished. My concern is we as Christians would be guilty of placing a burden upon non-believers that even we as believers can't bear. Sure we can. We're holding why, them accountable why? to a spiritual standard that they are incapable so, so, of meeting so, so then because they're arguing, not believers. So you're arguing that theft should not be a crime, that murder should not be a crime. That's not a spiritual. Not th- those aren't spiritual merely, right? Those are sins against your neighbor. The thing is, those right. impact my neighbor. So yeah, the government should get involved to protect the neighborhood, if you will. Exactly. I, I can agree with you completely that we shouldn't be punishing spiritual sins. We should be punishing crimes, which are idolatry is a spiritual sin. But it has outward manifestations. The 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 gold the great image in Daniel that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were supposed to bow down to. They wouldn't bow down to it. But their failure to do that was a crime. And then the the whole situation, them bowing down to it would have been a crime for them. It would have been the outward manifestation of their idolatry to this statue. Even though they may not have said, hey, I, I worship this statue, they could have still bowed down to it. And you can have outward manifestations of idolatry that can be punished. I kind of lost my train of thought just a little bit there. So, so what about circumcision? Circumcision. Part of the ceremonial law, not applicable today. <laughs> but, and, and, I, and I would say that regardless of whether it's applicable to Christians or not, it was never incumbent on the civil government to force people to be circumcised. That was incumbent on fathers in their uh, families as part of their uh, uh, the things that you should do to, uh, when you have a son. But it's nothing that the government or the, and, and the people get together and, and, and punish you for not having done. And again, there's very, very few things that are listed for the civil government to be involved in. And the vast majority of them, you actually agree, should be crimes. You agree the rape should be a crime and, and theft should be a crime. And because I sin be not only against God, but against neighbor. And so the government is to, is to protect those who are but trying just, to live good on God on life and punish those who are upsetting that. But you just crime. try to argue against adultery being a crime. Argue against adultery. Being a crime. You said it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a crime. Maybe I misunderstood when you were asking about adultery. Why it should not be punishable? If, if if two people are unmarried and they have sex, they're, they're they've committed an act of adultery. No, actually, actually, adultery would be if they're if if one of the parties is married, that would be, be adultery. Fornication. You wouldn't fornication. be stoned for fornication. You, you would be stoned only for be, adultery. You'd be forced to marry the person yeah. if neither of the parties are married. Then they, God would c- consider. But, but my question, be married. my question would be where. Does the civil governments, non, non-Israel civil governments, get their civil laws? Where does that come from, if not from the Bible? So ask me the question again, because I, I was paying attention to the clock and stuff. I didn't what, quite track with what you were asking. What's the source of our civil laws, if we're not a theocratic nation like Israel, a, a unique nation in your mind? No, it's from God's law. And God's word, but it's applied differently because our context is different. For us to apply our uh, to their context into our context is a a gross abuse of history. 
it ignores Israel's unique role in human history. It conflates the two. We are not Israel. America's not Israel. Israel's not America. So why specifically, if, if Israel is unique, it, they are unique. I, I can agree with that. But why does that specifically mean that they have different civil laws than we do? We're going to have to uh, uh, take a, a break and have it be a cliffhanger question. So, uh, Elijah, oh, we don't have time to even get in through all this. So, Daniel, Elijah, thank you so much for being uh, on the show. Oh, you know, this screen is throwing me off every time. How do I make this? It makes it look like the music is about to wrap up before it's actually wrapped up. So it throws me off. I have a couple more seconds than I thought I did. So, Daniel Rasby, Elijah Dick, uh, Dirksen, I'm Troy Skinner. Thanks so much for listening to The Faith Debate today. You Follow me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. You can find the show, of course, at the Faith Debate page for WFMD.com. Uh, and uh, Daniel's ministry with his father and, and his family, I guess, whole family is probably involved in that thing, is conqueredbylove.org. Uh, Elijah Dirksen doesn't have a website yet, but one day I'm sure he will. And one when day. he does, we'll, we'll edit that back into the show. <laughs> uh, uh, until next week, 167 and a half hours from right now. God bless.